around the world and here at home, bringing relief, hope, and the life-changing message of Jesus. You're listening to the Mize Missions Podcast with Terry Mize. Welcome to our podcast, everybody. This is Lynn Mize. I'm hanging out with Terry Mize and Renee Mize. We're talking about all things God, faith, family, ministry, Jesus. And uh, on our last segment, we covered a lot of things about spiritual authority. Today, we want to talk about a number of different things. Um, Dad, we were talking about uh, spiritual authority and about some of the things you learned early on. Right. And, uh, of course, people can go to the to the website, terrymize.com, and uh, everything's been streamlined and is easy to use. And you can check out all things, you know, Terry Mize and Terry Mize Ministries and what all you're involved with, what all we're involved with as a ministry. Um, but you started doing missions work at a really early age. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, uh, Spirit of God called me when I was just 13. And so from the day I was 13 years old, I knew what I was going to do the rest of my life, I, uh, which made it real simple on me. You know, I just had to convince some other people that's what I was going to do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my granddad had the business he wanted me to go in with him, and my parents had schools they wanted me to go to. And all of a sudden I just said, nope, I'm not doing any of that. I'm going to the mission village just as soon as I turn 18. And so uh, at 18, I moved to uh, the jungles of Panama and lived with an Indian tribe that didn't wear clothes. And we lived wildcat style, no catch, no eat. If I shot a monkey, we ate monkey. If I shot a parrot, we ate parrot. If I didn't shoot anything, we didn't eat anything. And uh, one day I hunted all day and only ended up with two woodpeckers and, and brought them home and made woodpecker soup. So I doubt if most people listening today have <laughs> ever had wood, good, woodpecker soup or not, but it kept me kept me alive. But yeah, I started at an early age and uh, and I'm still uh, still at it. And of course, I'm I'm still young. Yeah, well, we've got Renee here too. Renee is your wife, not my mom, because my mom moved to heaven a couple of years ago. Right. And uh, Renee's husband, Dean, who I loved as a second father, moved to heaven uh, about almost four years ago. Is that four right? Four years ago. Yeah. And uh, so you guys just decided to do what God had told you to do originally, but but you were minus a couple of spouses. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Dean and Renee were mine and mom's and mine and Jackie's best friends for f- over 40 years. And Dean was my hunting buddy and fishing buddy. And, and uh, we've been on vacations together. All you kids, you know, grew up together and, and uh, uh, Dean and Renee's kids and, and, and our kids and, and y'all all, we just all one big happy family. We did ministry trips together and, and hunting and fishing trips together and all kind right. of things. And, uh, uh, they pastored in Corpus Christi, Texas for 38 years, and, and we lived there for five years and went to the church. But then we also ministered there all those years they were there. That's right. And then uh, when Dean left us and then Jackie left us, uh, they left us lemons. So Renee and I decided to get married and make lemonade. And so we're we're uh, relatively newlyweds, and yet we've known each other for almost 42 years. So yeah, we've highly. said many times that uh, it's not weird for Renee and I to be on a trip together yeah. or be at church together or be somewhere together. It's just right. weird for Jackie and Dean not to be with us. Yeah, you conquer all those things in life. You know, uh, people think a lot of times people in the ministry, uh, you know, we just sort of live these charmed lives and everything just all works out exactly like in a perfect world, you know, that, um, well, you know, our families were so close. There, there's so many things that flood through my mind when you and Terry are talking about some of that. But, you know, Abby, um, Terry and Jackie, your family was living there in Corpus Christi when my youngest child, Abigail, was born. Yeah. And y'all were there that very day. And Jackie and Terry became her godparents. Yeah. And now he's her stepfather. <laughs> you know, I was ministering last night for Brother, uh, Brother Copeland's church, Kenneth Copeland's church, for Pastor George Pearson at Eagle Mountain International uh, Church. And 
somebody back in the green room was in there, how are y'all all? And, and <laughs> Abigail was there, you know, and Matt were there, which are Renee's, two of Renee's kiddos. And I said, well, Jackie and I were Abigail's godparents. We were there the day she was born. And right. we, I've been her godfather all these years. Now I'm her stepfather, and pretty soon I'll end up being my own grandpa. Right. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm sure there's a hillbilly or a redneck joke in there somewhere, but I'll just I'll leave that for another podcast. Redneck Quinn. Right. I'll I'll leave I'll leave that alone. Um, of course. Well, yeah. I, I was just going to say that there. One thing about Abigail was that you know Abby spent so much time over at y'all's house as much as our house till everybody laughed about the fact that we she would say her name. My name is my name is Abigail Amanda Garner Mize. That's right. And then we finally had to quit doing that because uh, we thought it was she ever got lost somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. at the mall or something. Yeah, that that we'd have to you know really help them explain why there's the Garner Mize thing there. So well, we had if to she do- told them her name was Mize, they'd be looking for Mizes in town yeah. instead of looking for the Garners. Well, so here all these years later, we're still trying to explain the Garner Mize thing. <laughs> That's true. So no, anyway, true. it's really good though. I mean, you. No, thank right. thank God that that you know you you said Renee that you know sometimes people look at ministry and think it's all roses right. and and life just in general whether it's ministry or whether it's just you know everyday life right. working a, right. a normal eight to five job life is messy. And but it is, and it's challenging for everybody. I mean, keeping your marriage together, keeping it right, keeping uh, you know like Proverbs chapter five says, drinking. Um, water out of that fresh well of mm-hmm. marriage relationship, and then there's the raising of your children. I mean that that's that's really bloody stuff, you yeah. know. I mean, and and then the teenage years, and then the putting them through college, and all of these things that have to do with raising a child up in the as the Bible says in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then there's the the whole finances, and then actually getting out there and trying to do something you feel like you're on the earth for. God called. To do, yeah, I was going to touch on that, Dad, because you said in the beginning of this podcast, you said the spirit of God spoke to you or called you yeah. to do that. When what what is it, you know, to the to the person who's maybe not been churched and they sure. don't they don't know what that means. What sure. do you mean, the spirit of God? Is that a is that a spiritual thing that happened to you and, and handwriting you, you, on you, the wall? Yeah, you saw something. <laughs> well, I didn't saw, hear I didn't hear an orchestra like they do on, in Hollywood <laughs> movies. You know when God speaks. But I actually was at church one night. I was sixteen years old and and or fifteen years old. I forget which. And and uh, no, excuse me, thirteen years old and. Um, I was down at church on a Wednesday night, and I arrived early, so I went down to the altar. Churches used to have altars in them, and uh, I went out to the altar and was praying before service. And as service started, I got up and started back to my seat, and I heard a voice, and I literally thought it was audible. Uh, I looked around to see if anybody else heard it, and nobody did. Everybody's just doing their own thing, you know, so I thought, oh, I guess nobody heard that but me. But I literally heard a voice that said, that said you're a missionary. And that's all it was, just you're a missionary. And uh, so I just knew from that point, it changed my life forever at uh, that point, because I knew at that point what I would do the rest of my life. Uh-huh. And uh, I think it probably made my life easier than most kids, because most kids, uh, including me at 13, didn't know what they wanted to do when they grew up. You know, I wanted <laughs> to do all the normal things little boys grow up wanting to do. Right. Uh, and then um, from that point, though, I just, it settled it for me. And I said, no, God wants me to be a missionary. I'm going to be a missionary. And, of course, I had uh, I had people that wanted me to go to different schools and, and Bible schools and, you know, Christ for the Nations in Dallas. I had people trying to get me to go there. And then, then Oral Roberts had just built uh, ORU up in Tulsa and had a lady in the church, a wealthy lady, came up to me and she said, look, I'm going to scholarship you to ORU and you should go there and I'm going to pay all your expenses. And and with all those people, I had to just graciously say, well, well, thank you. I appreciate it, but I'm going to be a missionary. So I just knew 
on the inside of me that God had said to me, you're going to be a missionary. You are a missionary. And that just eliminated everything else. My granddad had already started a company uh, and put my name on it and his name on it. And he's just waiting for me to get out of school to, to take over you know, the business. And the hardest thing I ever did in my life was go to my granddad. And we were very close and uh, say to him, well, granddad, I, I'm not going to work with you. I'm not going to be in business yeah. with you. I'm going to be a missionary. Sure. So it really just set the course for the rest of your life. Oh, even, absolutely. Even though you were a young kid, you it was a it was a powerful enough voice and feeling and draw. Oh, absolutely. That you just shut down everything else. In fact, and, from the time I'm 13 to now, I've never said anything other than I'm a missionary or I'm going to be a missionary. There was never any confusion about it, never any wondering about it, never any. Well, if this doesn't work, I'll do something else. I mean, I knew that I knew that I knew, and still know today. But that was the call of God on my life, and that's what I was supposed to do till, till Jesus comes. So then from 13 until the time that you actively started doing uh, the work of a missionary sure. was how long? Uh, well, that was 13. I, I actually got to go the f- first time when I was 18 mm-hmm. because Mom and Dad wouldn't let me go when I was 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. But I tell you, that when I turned 18 in February of 1968, I said, I'm gone, and I, uh, I took off. And those are the things you've been doing all these years. Well, How long has that yeah, been? Yeah, How many? Had, you know, I'm 66 years old now. And if you ask me today, say, what are you going to be when you grow up here? I'll say I'm a missionary. Well, it's been 48 years. Uh, 1968 to now is 48 years. 48 years. But I was actually preaching. And that's what I tell people when they say, how long have you been in the ministry? I say, well, 48 years. But actually, uh, George Pearson said to me that he said, you need to include those other two years. Because he said, you were youth leader for two years from the time you were 16. In 1966, and you preach for two years to the to the youth, and I said, "Well, yeah, I've been preaching for 50 years, but yeah. I've actually only gone into the ministry, you know, for, so um, you've for got, 48." You got 50 years, Renee. You and Dean have been were in the ministry together for right. how long? Like, well, gosh. our our entire 44 years of marriage, years. and then I continued to pass to the church another two years after he was gone, and and similar to Terry's, not certainly not uh, exactly like that, but I grew up in church, so did uh-huh. Dean. And uh, all we ever knew was church, Wednesday night, two services on Sunday, and every special meeting that there was. Um, and then I went to, I left home at 17. I had always worked very closely with our pastors at home in our wonderfully large, great Holy Ghost uh, Pentecostal church. And then I left home at 17 and went to Bible college and worked my way three, three years through uh, Bible college. And uh, did so much ministry during those three years. So, you know, somewhere in the, around, you know, depending on how the Holy Ghost counts what I did, <laughs> <laughs> you know, between uh, pushing 45, 50 years also yeah, in the amazing. ministry. So so between the two of you, you've got almost 100 years, 100 years. of ministry, hands-on ministry experience. That's It's amazing. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's kind of like our marriage. You know, Mom and I were married for, for 44 years. <laughs> That's right. And then Dean and Renee were married for 44 years. Yes. So now people look at us, they see two old folks, you know, and they say... Uh, Oh, how long y'all been married? They're expecting this big number. We kind of duck our heads like one. You know, we're, you know, we're starting all over one. Yeah, it's like we can combine fair. the two of them and say we've been married eighty-eight years. 88 plus years. our one is eighty-nine years. Well, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't grow up in the in the stereotypical blended family, right. and so I'm getting that later in life. But I guess we're we're all American these yeah, days. And we're, getting... we're blending, you know. And it, as close as we all were, there were still you know very very unique differences in each of our families. Sure, you know, and. And uh, y'all were the blonde-headed, blue-eyed family, and we were the brunette, you know, whatever color eye, you know, brown-eyed, green-eyed, you know, people. And um, it was just uh, really very different. Dean was a pastor. Terry was a missionary, evangelist, apostle, you know, going around the world. Uh, There were very different flows of how daily life went and everything. But here we are now all blended together. And, and, And it's amazing how God... 
even you know for his glory it it wasn't pretty how it all happened yeah but yet the holy ghost has a way to help you do something for god and still be a blessing to the family and to the world yeah so you're saying it wasn't always comfortable no <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know when, when we met uh, mom and i and you were born and then paul david had just been just born been maybe born a month months he, before he was born in october we met in november uh we were missionaries in mexico right and dean and renee were on staff at the great Blakewood Church, you know, uh, uh, John Osteen, Joel's daddy was the pastor. Yeah. And uh, Dean and Renee were on staff there. Renee was the organ organist and, and Dean was associate pastor. And, right. and Jackie and I came up for, uh, Brother Brother Osteen used to have a Thanksgiving missionary convention. I remember and that so, as a little kid. Oh, of course. We, yeah. we went every year Thanksgiving. Right. And uh, so we came up to that Thanksgiving missions convention and uh, met Dean and Renee because they were on staff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but my hitchhiker story had happened just the month before in October of 1974, right. where I, I had picked up a hitchhiker in Mexico and he pulled a gun on me and said, he's going to kill sure. me. And I said, you can't kill me. I'm a man of God and I've got authority over you in the name of Jesus. And he shot at me five times. The bullets didn't hit me. Well, yeah. brother Osteen had heard that story. He's just a month old. And brother Osteen had heard that story. And so he called me to the platform to tell it. And of course it was the first time I'd ever told it. And, and I was kind of nervous <laughs> of being John Osteen's shirt. So I told it real fast, real quick. But in the time that I told it, I used some phrases that we would all think of today as word of faith phrases, things that Brother Copeland would have said, uh, yeah, things right. that Brother Hagen would have said. And so during that telling of the testimony, I said something. I used the phrase, the integrity of the word, word of, God. of God. And yeah. then I used the phrase quality decision. decision. I made a quality decision. And that just 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 pricked Dean Renee's, you know, heart because and they lit up because they knew that was faith talk. Yeah. So as soon as the service is over, right. they came running to me and they said, we know who you've been listening <laughs> Yeah. Too. And so we just immediately became fast friends right. and uh, ended up you, you, and, and you were three. Paul was a month old. Matt and Alan were three and four, four years old, respectively. And, and Abby wasn't born yet. And, and our girls weren't born yet. Yeah. But that night we stayed up till 3 a.m. Three in the morning. Uh, you know, you kids just sleeping on the floor and, and Dean and, and Renee and Jackie and I just talking hard and fast. And that lasted for over 40 years. Yeah. So you're, you're both, both sides of this, Dean and Renee and Terry and Jackie are all what early twenties at this point. Yeah, well, I'm the young guy. I was I was 24. He has to point that out. I, I was 24, and and the girls are Jackie and Renee were 25, and Dean was 26, I guess. Yeah. But even you know, you talk to people that are in that those age groups today, and it's all about you know, it's still about the weekend. It's still about the, oh, yeah. the party and who they can hang out yeah. with. And, well, and I think what we really, were, I think we were older back in those days. You know, yeah, but I remember telling married. you one time, one day, you said to me, uh, "Here you are, you're about to be 45 in a couple of months," and you said to me one day when you was about. 22 or maybe just 24 and you said oh dad i feel old i'm i'm i'm, I'm 24 and i said some by the time i was 24 i had been in the army out of the army been to the mission fields uh lived <laughs> right, in the mission right. fields had got married had four kids yeah. you know i mean we just i think we were a younger generation right. that just did things you know sooner. well we left home quicker yeah we we started our life quicker so we got into our vocation quicker and we got our education you know right along in there somewhere and whatever you you were trained to do you were already doing really by the time you were 25 years old yeah. and we were old people by the time we yeah were 24, 25. and it, it was very different it was, and we were we were looking for answers already because we had marriages that had to work kids that we were raising children that we knew we had to have the wisdom of god for and we had to have a lot of money <laughs> yeah 
Sure. <laughs> you know? sure. Well, the thing so is, there's desperation in all of that. And we didn't have video games to sit around and play all day like right. people do today. So, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Of course, Absolutely. I've got one really good friend that's making an awful lot of money playing video games. His parents told him all his life, get off that video game. You never amount to anything. And now he's got, you know, mega money and mega business. <laughs> that's right. Video game. Of course, of course, the flip side of that is, though, is that he's always honored God. He's always been involved yes. in church. He has. He's always paid he's his a, tithes. He's, always a, he's a big God. tither and a big giver. And his wife, too. I've known him and his wife both since they were little kids. So, so yes, he gets a lot of credit for working hard and, and building a business, but he also had the hand of God exactly. um, working on his great behalf. Great parents, yeah. great church. So, the, so, the, so this whole thing really happened a long time ago. This, the, the, the ministry that you have now yes. between, right. between you two yes. um, is a culmination of, of 50 years, basically, yeah. of, Shockingly of so. ministry experience <laughs> that all really, your relationship really rallied around the Word of God. Other, oh, other, other people totally. were doing other things and running around and enjoying themselves. And what drew you guys, you four, mm-hmm. to each other was really the, the commonality of you loved the things of God and That's saw right. some things in the Word That's of God right. that you thought not only would help put you over, but would help put other people over. Well, absolutely. Besides that, we hungered for the things of God That's back in right. that day so That's much. It, right now there. it's so readily available. And I'm talking about the faith message or the Word of Faith message or a really higher standard of living just than just normal denominational Christians live every day. But I'm talking about where your faith makes a difference, where you're where you're proactive in what's going on with heaven and earth and where you're, right. you're the things that you say and do and pray and believe are, are affecting your, your future. And you have to understand two things about the four of us and, and people, those people we ran around with back in those days was that not only were we hungry for the things of God, but we had just gone in the ministry by faith. And if right. we didn't do the things of God, we didn't eat. That's yeah. right. You know, when, when, when Jackie and I moved to Mexico and you were just a little guy and Paul wasn't born yet, uh, either we lived by faith or we died. I mean, either That's we right. believed God for food on our table or we died. I mean, you know, I, I couldn't go get a job. Yeah. I was an illegal alien in Mexico, didn't have a green card, couldn't work. And, and so God either supplied our needs or we didn't need. So we, we had to get into faith. We had to make the word work. That's right. I remember the first offering we ever got in Oaxaca, Mexico, because that's where we moved to is Oaxaca. I've often said Oaxaca is not the end of the world, but it's certainly visible from there. Uh-huh. And I remember <laughs> the very first offering we ever got uh, in, in Oaxaca was a live turkey. Yeah. And uh, Jackie and I both were shocked because we didn't know turkeys came live. We'd never seen a live turkey. The only turkeys we'd ever seen was on Grandma's Thanksgiving table. Right. But we figured out how to get that bird into the ministry. Yeah, yeah. We ate him. Yeah, plucked, boiled, whatever you figured hey, out. Yeah, absolutely. And the next offering I got was somebody gave me a little a little envelope full of Mexican pesos that the American equivalent was about $17. Mm-hmm. And, so the, and that's how we started our ministry. Yet, right. yet we never missed a meal. We paid our bills. God was faithful, yeah, but yeah. we were hungry for the Word of God, and we were desperate to make it work or die. Yeah, we wanted. To, I I know with all of us, everybody who started in that era, there was such a hunger, as Terry said, to know how God wants it done. Yeah, and we had seen other ministries and missionaries be more on the beggar end. Yeah, and well, that's and, what the church taught. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. church taught that, and it wasn't because we thought we were better than everybody else. We just kept reading things in the Word of God that would just prick our heart yeah. and tell us there's a higher standard. There's a there's a better way to do this, you know. And of course, what drove me into the Word of Faith, uh, or into living by faith and into spiritual authority, was the fact that I saw I had two little boys that were ill, yeah. 
mm-hmm. and they were very sickly when they were born. And Matt had uh, bronchial issues, and Alan had digestive issues, and we were in and out of the emergency room for the first three or four years of their lives, and it was just a desperate time. And when you see your child laying there in a hospital bed yeah. in the hallway, and they can't figure out what's wrong with him, and they're trying to feed him intravenously and keep sticking him and giving tests, and that tiny little baby, two-month-old baby is screaming his lungs out. And I walk down the hall just crying out to God, show me what's right. Yeah. Show me that it's your will absolutely all the time to get my baby healed because you know, this think, is not right. I think yeah. on the next podcast you should tell that in detail because yeah. I was just thinking before you started talking and then all the time you were talking, I was thinking that people look today and they see D. Renee Garner, they see Terry Jackie Mize, they see Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, they see Jerry, right. Jerry and Carolyn Savelle, and they see these successful people right. that have money and have success and have things and so on and so forth. And, uh, but you know, I remember when we were all starting and believing right. God for something to eat. You know, you and yeah. Jerry, you and you and Jerry and Carolyn Savell right. grew up in the same church in in Shreveport, Louisiana. Before <laughs> and Jerry nobody and Carolyn, had any money. Before Jerry and Carolyn were married, you know, yeah. Jerry was still an auto mechanic. You know, right, uh, right. working at a panel right, shop. Right. You know, uh, and, uh, and, and and we and, didn't have a car even. Right. You know, and so so they got married. You know, Brother Cope was just starting his exactly. ministry, so he'd get to come there to the Tabernacle in the Shreveport and get to preach once in a while. Right. And Jerry and Carolyn got turned on to the Word of Faith, got you, and and then you went to Bible college and met Dean Garner. Dean was coming out of Lakewood right. Church all right. those years. Y'all went to the same Bible school in San Antonio and met. And then Jerry and Carolyn, you know, got y'all turned on to the to, to Word of Faith. Then y'all went to Brother Osteen's. You met Jackie and I. We were turned on the Word of Faith. So I remember right. when Kenneth and Gloria... Uh, you know, I've been to their house a long, long time ago. Right. You know, and uh, uh, and Jerry and Carolyn, you know, his house a long, long time ago. And and when we were all just believing God to make this thing, yeah, work. chicken can of chicken noodle soup could get us through the day. Well, that's what <laughs> I remember somebody said to John Osteen years yeah. ago. They said, "Oh, Brother Osteen, I tell you, you and Lakewood Church, you're just an absolute overnight success." And Brother Osteen said, "Yeah, but that I'm an overnight success, all right. But that night was thirty years long because <laughs> yeah. people forget about those days. That's they just right. think you that's automatically right. have success mm. instead of that it was a process." of hunger, going after the Word of God, making it work, making faith seven. work, and then later everybody sees the result. Exactly. Well, I'm th- I, was, I was thinking about that too. You know, what about people that are in the position that you were then, they're in that position now. You know, you may have a single mom, sure. you know, and, and she's and she's trying to put, Dad, I, you know the story because you and I have talked about it a lot of times. There was a, a lady who was a, um, she had gotten involved with, with our ministry and with the mission stuff that we do. And sent offerings every month to support yeah, those things. And um, I remember getting a letter from her and reading it one day and showing it to you. And we talked about it and prayed for her. And she was saying um, that she was she needed you know just a few thousand dollars. I don't remember what it was, three or four or five thousand dollars, and she could get a new place for them to live. And uh, please, please pray for her that she could come up with the money to get shoes for her children to start school. It was it was the summer and, and school was about to be in mm-hmm, session. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, to me. Because, because you know, I, I grew up knowing these successful ministers, right. you know. But I, I guess I was around when they weren't successful, but I don't remember it. I was, I was too young while y'all were all figuring it right. out. Well, you were around when we were on the way from right. from, from down but, here to up here, right? Yeah. Well, and what about what about that lady though? Because it sounds good to sit here and say, and this is what the Word of God did for us. Right. This is where we are now. But at the time when you're when you're forcing this thing, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, that's our, that, that's the whole point of our ministry. I mean, even when when I was youth leader of our church at sixteen, our pastor came to me and said, "I want you to be the youth leader." And, 
And I said, well, I don't have a clue how, but if you, you're the pastor, if you tell me to do it, I'll do it. But I stayed on my face before God, not for me, but for my kids in the youth group. And I said, Lord, I've got to have a, a not just a, a message, not just a word, not just a sermon. I've got to have a lifestyle uh-huh. that I can teach these kids because of the things they're facing every day in their life. I mean, every day at school, every day, some of them are working already, uh, every day, you know, even if you were married every day in their school and their work and their marriage, they're facing, uh, challenges and battles. And I've got to give them a lifestyle, not just a word, not just a sermon. I've got to give them a lifestyle that they can literally take to the bank and make it work. And, and that's, that's really how I got started in, in the hunger for the word got me to that position that I've got to have a lifestyle. Yeah. Not only that I can live, but a lifestyle that these kids can live so they can pay their bills and raise their kids and do, you know, so on and so forth. Not just the normal go to church, warm the pew, be the faint hearted Christian that comes in on Sunday morning and claps their hands and sings a few songs and, you know, sloppy agape hugs a few necks and then goes home and then faces the real world and don't know what to do about it. Yeah. We've got to have a lifestyle that they can take to the bank that they can win. And that's where I got in and dug in the word and got into what you and I what we'd call today the word of faith. Yeah. Or the faith message. I just I just got into those single moms I'm sorry. Just so those single moms can buy the tennis shoes and can buy the buy the buy the school clothes and can get the stuff done that they need to because this 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 Bible, this word, this this that we're preaching is 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 for not only for us, but it's for everybody else. It's for every yeah. person. It every, works for everybody. everybody. It works for everybody. It seemed like to me that the more, I, I mean, every day, morning, noon, and night, I was searching the scriptures to try to find something that would fit the financial need, the little boys getting healed, yeah. and us going into ministry to where we felt like God wanted us to be, yeah. and then not do it. I know Terry and Jackie, Dean and I, and lots of other folks during that period of time, we made a decision we weren't going to tell anybody our needs, yeah. and we weren't going to ask anybody for a place to preach. Well, in doing that, that drives you to somewhere. You're either going to start dropping hints to people, right. whether you tell them exactly what right. you want or and not. We all know those people. Yes. <laughs> or you're going to get into the Word of God and find scriptures like Philippians, simple thing, like Philippians 4.19, and you begin to, maybe with tears running down, you're saying, my God shall supply all my needs according yeah. to his could, riches and glory by Christ count, Jesus. Could you possibly count how many tens of thousands of times that you and Dean that Jackie and I quoted Philippians four nineteen. Oh, I mean, we told it was heaven. A... We told heaven. We <laughs> yeah. told hell. We told everybody that listened. For my God, you know, I mean, there's no telling how many times we declared. Yeah, we I still are say, today. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole deal. Is you just you never move off of the rock of the Word of God. Yeah, and you keep saying it. And a lot of times, it's a confession unto faith. You keep saying it till you believe it. Exactly. <laughs> and then you have to say it in authority, spiritual authority. Uh, in faith to hell, to let go of your money, yeah. you know, and let go of your health or whatever has been stolen. But yeah. to, answer, to answer your question, how does the mom get a hold of this? That that's the whole key is taking the word of God as a as, as a weapon and a tool mm-hmm. that you can take and you can tell heaven, you can tell hell, you can tell yourself, you can tell anybody else around you. This is the truth, and this is how we're going to live, and this is what God said He would do, and and by God He'll do it. Yeah, and you talk a lot about that in your in your first book, which is pretty old now, More Than Conquerors, which, of course, um, has the hitchhiker story that you referenced sure. earlier, and, and that's on the website, terrymize.com, and a bunch of other resources that sure. get more into depth with, with what we're talking about. But lots of people are out there listening. Some of our listeners are, are, are 
are listening to this and are thinking that that sounds neat, but I thought that the Bible was a philosophical right. book. But what you're talking about is I have a need. I'm going to go open the Bible and find out what it says about this, and that's going to make a difference in my life. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, it, it's a... Uh, if you read it as some kind of a mythological or philosophical book, you're gonna you, you don't get anything out of it. it. It's an absolute book inspired by the Holy Ghost. You know, people say, "Well, you know, men wrote it." Well, duh. Of course, men sure. wrote it. Men wrote the Quran. <laughs> men wrote everything. Yeah. You know, uh, but yet the Word tells us. The Apostle Paul said to Timothy, he said, "All Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Ghost." So even though men wrote it. The Holy Spirit dictated the book. He's not only the author of the book, he's also the teacher of the book. And that's why anybody, any man, woman, boy, girl, anybody can get a hold of these scriptures and take them to the bank. I mean, take them and make them work yeah. and shove them down the devil's throat and hold right. them up before heaven and, uh, and and get results. You're, you're talking about a real devil. You know, yeah. I don't know I don't yeah. know that people in the real world talk about a real devil. Well, that's another podcast, but there's a real, there's <laughs> yeah, a real well, you devil. Yeah, you know, people have to, people realize in their life whether they want to admit or not that that there are bad things that happen and there are good things that happen. Yeah. And, and that the word of God uh, is the only thing that will show you how those two kingdoms function. And then, you know, like you were saying about how people read the word, they have a mindset that it's, that it's um, poetry and it's pleasant right. to read and it sort of right. pacifies the savage beast, you right. know, but really what, when we found out about the word of faith and, and the supernatural authority and that one verse that Terry quoted earlier in Genesis one there, that the, the word of God has within its kind of DNA, the ability to fulfill what it promises. Mm -hmm. And when people, when we found that out, yeah. we were like somebody let us loose out of the chains of life. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden the words on these pages went, Oh, that's for me. That's for me. That's for me. That's for me. Right. <laughs> you know, and I can use that for my finances, my health, my kids, my son, my mind, the weather. I mean, yeah. everything. Well, that's when we talk so much about spiritual authority because because there is a real devil, there right. are real things going on. There is a real spirit world, yeah. and and God gives us authority and dominion where we absolutely can be the dominating force on the planet. He said in Genesis one twenty six, "Let us make man in our likeness, our image. Let them have dominion That's right. over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle of the field, and over all the earth, and everything that creeps on the earth." So, so there is a dominion that God has given us. Only the church lets that lay untapped. Yeah. Right. Because we just go exactly. into church for our little church service and clap our hands and sing our songs and, and hug everybody's neck and then go home. But but there is a dominion to tap into, a spiritual authority to tap into from the Word of God and the Spirit of God to where uh, you you absolutely get heaven moving on your behalf right. and absolutely stop hell from moving against you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we fast forward, we talked some about the early days of ministry. Um, on both sides here. But if we fast forward to today, you know, we've got uh, Terry Mize Ministries, which has been around for a long, long time. And we've got uh, JMICF, Jackie Mize International Children's Foundation. Um, we do lots of stuff overseas. We've got, you know, all sorts of orphans and orphanages and things like that um, going on. But these same principles that you're talking about are the very principles that you use to go take care of orphans and to go meet well, the needs of people The same scriptures we used when we started to put food on our table are the very same scriptures we use every day to make it keep continue to work. Yeah. If we're going to help orphans and feed orphans and help widows and feed the poor and help disaster relief plus win souls, 
uh, we've still got to use those. There's not any new scriptures. We have to go back and take those same ones that we used That's that right. worked for us 40 years ago. Yeah. Still work today. And it works in Haiti and it works in Absolutely. Jamaica. Absolutely. It's works not in an Indian. American gospel. It works in all yeah. these places. So, well, and again, uh, I talked about the book earlier, More Than Conquerors. It's on terrymize.com. We've also got an 11 CD series called Spiritual Authority that really kind of gets into the nitty gritty of some of the things that we've yeah, been talking about on, on this podcast and the last podcast. Mm-hmm. And it does tell lots and lots of miracles. And I think people think that God's not in the business of doing the supernatural anymore. But if if they'll get a hold of these resources, the More Than Conquerors book, the Spiritual Authority CD series, and understand that that what God did in the Bible, He's still doing today. And this stuff is still accessible to them. No, absolutely. There's there's so many testimonies we've gotten from people that have listened to Terry's series on that. And it's changed their lives, got them healed of cancer. And it wasn't because it's not a personality it's yeah. not somebody there. They didn't have to go to a building or go to a person. They went to the Word of God and they yeah. got it for themselves. Yeah, we're we're working on the India overseas trip that we're that we've been planning and talking sure, about. Absolutely, um, people can go to terrymize.com, t e r r y m i z e dot com, and find out more about that. How they can get involved. What's going to be involved in uh, in the trip? Are we doing ministry stuff? You know, the world doesn't necessarily understand the difference between what ministry is versus what humanitarian right, aid right, is or versus right. disaster relief right. and that sort of thing. And, and we're involved in all that. Yeah, we do but both. people can go to the website. They can find out about that. We've got an upcoming India trip to go check on some kids and minister to some people. And, and that information's on the website. But I, uh, I've i had a good time talking to you guys. I almost, <laughs> we always enjoy talking to the Word, talking yeah. about the Word. Yeah, nice to see you. Again. Yeah, yeah. Well, we almost have to go to a meeting somewhere like this in order to get away and and get to visit. But And to you listeners, thank you for joining us. Uh, We appreciate it. And uh, we want to be a blessing to you. We want this stuff to be real and not just theory. And uh, hope that you tune in again and uh, hang out with us. But thanks so much. You've been listening to a Mize Missions podcast. For all the latest updates to our global projects, speaking engagements, and social media, visit us at terrymize.com. You can partner with us to give living bread to dying men around the world. Get involved at terrymize.com. Until next time, thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Terry Mize Ministries.